We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, you're hearing my voice right now because this is an unlocked episode of our Patreon podcast called The Overtime Line. We decided just to release this one for everyone to hear as a preview of what you can get if you sign up for our Patreon, patreon.com slash timeline. It was just too fun of a topic for us to not let everyone hear this one. And I'm out of town, so there's not another new episode on this feed until Wednesday. So this one will be an episode that we released on our Patreon yesterday. It's still there, fully ad-free if you want to sign up on our Patreon. If not, no big deal. We did want to release this one so everyone could hear it. And you'll hear a different theme song right now. What a game. Going to overtime. The overtime. Sam, this has been a fascinating week to be a Suns fan, right? Yeah, I mean, it's been really fun, yeah. overwhelmingly. Uh, and the the narratives are coming out of nowhere now, for for sure, for the first time. I mean, th- things are really heating up. I I will say before we get into all this, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's just let's just we know what the ultimate goal is. We know the ultimate goal is still to win a championship and this other stuff that we're yeah, kind of yeah. getting sucked into, right? It's so easy to get sucked into. Oh, yeah. That being said, I'm having a lot of fun online right now. I can't lie, man. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, Suns, fans, Suns fans are wilding all over the place. And, like, look, obviously there could be an opportunity for us to take victory laps assuming the Suns win an NBA title. Uh, but never has the media or fan bases been faced with such overwhelming evidence that supports Devin Booker being one of the best players in the league than the last, well, I would say, 15 to 20 games. And it's just fun to be on the right side of that battle and just <laughs> really stick it to people that were on the wrong side for such a long time. And also watch people come to terms with it because I think that's what's been fun for me. You know, you had 
whether it be Stephen A. Smith, Kendrick Perkins on ESPN, or Skip Bayless saying that, like, apologizing for not recognizing <laughs> how good the Suns Chris, are. Chris Broussard. Yeah, um, Isaiah Chris Thomas. Isaiah Thomas Amin. has gone full out. Amin Al-Hassan. Yeah. I mean, keep the apology tour coming. Like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> this, yeah, this is great. Exactly. Zach Lowe, you're next. Bill Simmons, <laughs> come on. Keep doing it. <laughs> and, yeah, it's funny because... The narrative, I think, of the MVP conversation started off when Roz, who is, who by the way, works for the Golden State Warriors, if anyone was wondering, uh, she does play-by-play work, uh, or used to, for the Golden State Warriors, um, went on to ESPN and basically said that Devin Booker can't be MVP, or even in the MVP conversation in her mind, for these reasons, and listed a, a, a few reasons, some that were fair and some were that... They were just completely insane, like not shooting enough threes or not dunking enough to be in highlight reels, and then mentioned that she had a vote in, in previous seasons. And I think for Suns fans, look, there has been a conversation about the lack of respect for Devin Booker the entirety of his career. The 70-point game literally was something that for some reason turned people against him to this day, the anniversary of that, of course, being yesterday. And... I think that's actually what kicked the MVP narrative for Suns fans into high gear because then everyone was just going at that and attacking it. And, of course, it lined up with Devin Booker facing Jokic, which happened yesterday, of course, the masterpiece, and now Embiid now coming on Embiid. Sunday. Really remarkable. It's like, it's like it was... And then Curry next after and then that. Curry. And then yeah, Ja who, who won't next play. Yeah. after that. Yeah, Curry won't play. Curry ja won't might play. not either. Ah, uh, well, that's disappointing. That's disappointing if those two guys don't play. Uh, well, Curry yeah. won't play, obviously. Ja is, yeah, it's disappointing. But I mean, regardless, man, this is this is a gauntlet of teams you're running up against here, and each successive win that you can tack on. But you know, I mean, that's the thing is, I, I guess I don't really know. We've established that there's not much logic to it. Or we we've established we don't know exactly what the logic is. Would Devin Booker be in better position? If the Suns win out, at which point they would be 68 and 14, and it, they would continue to do business just as they are right now, and he puts up exactly 26, 5, and 5, or whatever, good good efficiency. Um, would he in, be in better position then, or would he be in better position if the Suns lost out, held on to the first seed, but he averaged like 50? Like, if the Suns went out for the next eight games, because it doesn't really matter, right? I mean, I, I would argue it does matter, and they would never do this. But if you decide you've already clinched the first seed, why not just let Devin Booker score 50 points per, per game for the next eight games just to prove that he can do it? Because I think that's like part of the premise that a lot of people are struggling with here. Obviously, mm -hmm. the fact that before... It used to not be enough that he was scoring 30 points per game or going on these crazy stretches of more than that because it didn't matter because his team sucked. And now, obviously, it's the opposite logic. But I feel like like Roz was pointing out that he was 12th in scoring in the NBA or whatever. By the way, now he's already up to 9th as of yeah. today. But like, does anyone really believe that Devin Booker, of all guys, couldn't average 30 points per game if he wanted yeah. to? Right. Of course Devin Booker could average 30 points per game if he wanted to. He's sacrificing that extra 5 points per game, that extra 20 touches per game, as I've pointed out a million times, to play winning basketball. For the entire history history of the NBA, I thought we rewarded that. Like, I thought everyone was able to recognize that. 
and 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 it wouldn't matter so much if a guy didn't average the most gaudy stats. But there's been some sort of logical shift in just the past three or four years that I just don't understand. Like, I yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of flabbergasted with with yeah. the logic of a lot of the people here. But I guess yeah. we're gonna see. I will say, waking just waking up today and seeing Stephen A. talk about it and seeing Skip talk about it. It was funny. <laughs> it was nice. It was nice. Right. And it was funny. And it was the first time that I think he's going to get some votes now. Like I think the tide yeah, when I guys like yeah. when guys like that talk about it, I think he's going to get some votes. I don't think it's he's narrative gonna, based. Right. Yeah. I don't think he's going to win. I don't think he's going to get a single first place vote. Well, I don't know. Maybe from EJ if EJ votes. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if he does. By the way, I, I think or he maybe does. Isaiah Thomas. Maybe Isaiah Thomas has a vote. Do, do, <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think at least someone in the Suns market has a vote. I forget if it's EJ or K Ray or both, or but right. I could see uh, them giving him a first place vote. Otherwise, you know, it smells to me like here's some third or fourth place concession votes. But I would live with that at this point, I suppose. Well, it's really fascinating because the MVP award is purposely vague, right? Probably to make people talk about it a lot uh, before it's actually awarded and that brings more attention to the NBA. But I don't know. Part of me, part of me is like, well, part of me thinks it's good that they're actually looking at these really great players that are on slightly worse teams. The other part of me thinks that we've lost the plot in a way that advanced stats are so important to the award. Uh, In some ways we're just rewarding these teams that build their entire offense around one player that allow him to do everything. As you've talked about heliocentric offenses, Luka Doncic, yeah, Embiid it, it before ceases Harden. To be, it ceases to be a best player award and becomes a worst front office award. Because at a certain point, you're you're rewarding the fact that the Denver Nuggets made a very inefficient use of all of their minimum contracts to surround Jokic with the worst possible players. Because by surrounding him with the worst possible players, Jokic got the best possible net rating swings, which affected his advanced stats. You know, it like it becomes ridiculous. At a certain point, it's honestly ridiculous. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm, and, on my, and I'm on what, my Demarcus cousin. It's it's ridiculous, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's just this weird recipe that everyone comes up with these fake criteria in order to pick the player that they like, which often lines up with whatever advanced stat they like the most, right? So they look at the advanced stat, they sort by the advanced stat, they decide which player they like at the top of that advanced stat, and then they say, well, my criteria is a little dash of this, um, wins, a little dash of how important they are to the rest of their team, and and they add it up to whatever player that they were going to pick, regardless of those made-up criteria that they used to justify the pick afterwards. Anyway, and this is not to say that other guys aren't worthy of the MVP award, the the thing that is always going to be the case with Suns fans is that the criteria that was used against Devin Booker in the past has now shifted when he meets that criteria in order to benefit other guys. And for Suns fans, that will forever feel like a slight against him, a slight against our franchise, a slight against our fan base. And there's no way around that because you outlined what it takes you said just win, just win, just win. Now he's winning. And just because, it's kind of funny, right? Because Devin Booker has always been better at the end of seasons. His play gets better as the season rolls along. And his stats get better as the season rolls along. If that just flipped, then the narrative would have started early enough. 
even if he was worse now than he was at the beginning of the season, which many of these MVP candidates are, the narrative would have been there to start. But it's just all of this and the way it works. What I want people to do, what I want voters to do, is question why these guys with these top analytic stats are not on winning teams. And maybe instead of saying it's everything else's fault, it's everyone else's fault, just maybe at least taking a brief moment to question whether or not the way that they decide who are the best players in the league is flawed. Just say, maybe the way we quantify this isn't perfect. Just question that briefly, because if you question that, then maybe it will help you understand how a team with Devin Booker as the number one option is the best team in the league by a massive margin. It's not even a small margin at this point. It's huge. They have 60 wins. Here's the thing, man. I can fully admit Jokic is having a record-breaking season in terms of those advanced numbers. So I'm a, look I, honestly if the voters turn around and say yeah we're just we're going to give it to Jokic because of that. That's okay with me. But it's okay with me on the condition that it plunges the NBA into a new era of which we cannot return. Because if that's if that's going to be the logic then I want that to be the logic. Every year from now on I, this is not the best player on the best team award anymore. This is the, I scored 30 points per game and 10 assists, but my team is 500 because actually you can't play winning basketball that way award. That's what it is. It's the Russell Westbrook. 100%. You were joking. You were joking about it earlier. But I wasn't. <laughs> if you're, if you're going to do that, but joking about it earlier, I meant on Twitter, you didn't actually say it here, but yeah, I understand if you're not actually joking, cause it's a, it's a good point. It's the Russell Westbrook award now. Yes. It's the okay. they, they can't and call I'm okay it what they it. called it before. Yeah. I'm okay with it if they own up to that. Honestly. Right. If it, right. hey, you want to give Luka Doncic the next 10 MVP awards for that reason? Okay. But you better fucking do it. <laughs> you yeah, know? it's the like, best player on this, a mediocre team award. None of it's this the best player on a mediocre and, team. And award. keep in mind, the reason I'm saying that is because these advanced stats rely on box score priors, right? Guys who get defensive rebounds, guys who get assists. It's not all that, but but those things matter. The guys who get a lot of touches obviously are going to rack up those assists and those and those rebounds and those points and shot attempts and everything else that Booker can't get because he's on a good team. And the other part being what I talked about before with the Nuggets and Jokic and the net rating swings. The the guys who are on teams with terrible benches will have better net rating swings than guys who are on teams with good benches. These are the things that are out of a player like Devin Booker's control. And we should stop penalizing top players for that in our MVP arguments because it's nonsensical. But if you are going to penalize him for it this year, okay, fine. I guess you're going to do it. Just do it every year so that now it's consistent. And if you start doing it every year, we're never going to see an MVP on a top three seat again because it's just every year. The the NBA has entered a new era. Heliocentrism is here. We've talked about it at length with Harden and Trey and Luka and and Jokic this year. And it's never going to stop. It's never going to stop. Teams are drafting more and more players like this, and they know that you can substantially raise your floor by having a uber-talented guy on the floor like that. It's not going to lead to elite basketball teams, but every single season from now on, there's going to be a guy averaging at least 28-8-8 and on a 500 team who the rest of his roster is complete garbage. Like That's the era of the league we're in now because there's so many guys who, with officiating and, and rule changes and whatever being the way they are, there are so many guys who can drop 30 on any given night. There just are. There's there's 15 guys who can drop 30 yeah. per night in the NBA if they really put their mind to it on any old garbage team. There just are. But, you know, certain 
of those guys have to sacrifice and certain of them don't. And if we're just going to reward all of the guys who don't <laughs> from now on, you know, it's going to be a lot of it's going to be a lot of MVPs going to guys on shit teams, which just never happened in the past. But that's okay. Just commit. There, there's a strong possibility that the MVP this year will be from a team that won 20 games less than the Suns. That's a possibility that's on the table right now. And if voters are okay with that, then they kind of have to say it, right? And they do say it with their votes, but they have to justify it afterwards because I think people have to look at themselves and question whether or not that's a good thing. I think that's really all it is because... It's one thing if they're a two seed, if they're a three seed, right? Or if if you could make the proper case for John Morant, who's in the second seed, which I think you probably could have until you look at the stats without him. Um, whether or not that's fair is beside the point. It's just ruined his case at this point. And it's not, though, right? It's a six seed. It's a seven seed that we're talking about at this point. And if we're talking about Embiid, yeah, there is currently a second seed in the East. And <laughs> they're still going to be way, way, way behind what the Suns are going to win. 15, you 15, know, 15 games, games. games instead yeah. of 20. <laughs> exactly. 15 games instead of 20. And that's just a fascinating place to be in uh, as a league. Let me just read some stats to you real quick. Devin Booker in the last 15 games, according to StatMuse, 29 points, 6.9 assists, 4.4 rebounds now, in those games. I have something to say about that, too. Do you have efficiency, too, by the way? No. I That's okay. Um, his efficiency has been like 50, 40, 90. So you said right there, 29, 6, and 4, right? Or 29, 4, and 6? 29, yeah, 4, and 7, basically. 29, 4, and 7 over the last yeah. 15 games. And so I got it here. 51, 39, 90. That's insane. If Devin Booker was a power forward, right? Mm-hmm. And not... This was another point I was making on Twitter today. If Devin yeah. Booker was a power forward and not a shooting guard... And he right. grabbed five extra defensive rebounds per game by virtue of being a power forward. You can't necessarily say, in my opinion at least, you could argue this with me if you wanted, but you can't necessarily say that those five rebounds, who any power forward on the floor, defensive rebounds, would have just grabbed, that they had impact on winning the basketball game, right? But wouldn't you say, Mike, that if Devin Booker grabbed those five extra rebounds per game, he was five inches taller and he had a stat of what you said it was 29 4 and 7 you said tw- so if, if it was 29 9 and 7 right and the suns were still winning yeah suddenly doesn't that feel like people would find excuses to say oh that's an mvp campaign how about this if everyone just boxed out and let devin booker grab the rebound yeah no seriously that's because- that's happened in the nba it happens with teams currently he and it would have improve, to be taller to do it. And it would improve all of his advanced numbers because the advanced numbers use box score priors and rebounding is part of that. And they yeah. way overrate the ability of defensive rebounding to try and tell you anything about a player's defense as well. So it's just like, like we've seen power forwards win this award before, right? Like this is the thing. It doesn't have to be play initiators all the time who win the MVP award. It doesn't have to be a LeBron or a Steph Although, of course, those guys have won the award and have been deserving of it. Or, or even a Jokic or a Giannis. If you look back at the history of the award, you've got guys like Dirk who win the award. You've got guys like Barkley who win the award. You've got guys like Karl Malone, Hakeem Olajuwon. These are not guys who are bringing the ball up the floor. They, st- they, you know, they, 
got their fair share of touches, and they got their fair share of secondary assists through reacting to the defense however the defense wanted to throw traps or doubles or whatever at them, right? So it's not like they didn't have those secondary stats, but they were primarily play finishers, play scorers, not play initiators, and they still won MVP because in every single one of those years, they were always given credit for the fact that their team was in a, a top two, top three seed. But there's a difference, I think, when you're looking at uh, Dirk Nowitzki in 2007 when he won MVP with the Dallas Mavericks who won 67 games or however many they did, right? And he averaged, I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but let's say roughly 27, 9, and 3 versus if Devin Booker does basically the same thing, just replace those 10 rebounds with 4 rebounds, and all of a sudden, you know, no one can seem to see why that's uh, why that could be an MVP campaign for some reason, right? Like, yeah. we're just ignoring the, the natural the naturally different roles of positions on the basketball court. And I also can't help but feel like this isn't just about Devin Booker. It is about Devin Booker from a Suns fan perspective. But it's also about, like, how did we get to a point where we just fundamentally undervalue the role of a shooting guard so much? Why mm-hmm. can't why why can't a shooting guard be MVP? Because it feels like if you're going to deny the playmaking to a shooting guard, right? You want a guy to have the ball in his hands in this heliocentric approach every single time down the floor. So you want him to be the play initiator. You want a guy to grab 10 rebounds like a Luka Doncic or a Russell Westbrook. Well, if a natural shooting guard like a Kobe Bryant, who's like universally considered one of the greatest fucking players ever by so many people in this generation as well. If a natural shooting guard like Kobe Bryant comes along and plays under those guidelines where they're not exactly a playmaker and they're not exactly a rebounder, it seems like we're greatly undervaluing what that role brings to the NBA in in 2022, and I would argue the value is absolutely still there, and it's as potent as any other position. But it feels like they're starting from a place of disadvantage if you play the position of Devin Booker or Donovan Mitchell or any of these other guards, frankly. Right, right. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Well, let me just say this too. Some of you are listening to this and saying, why the, why the fuck does it matter? Why does it matter? That's why fair. should we care? 20 minutes now, in. <laughs> let me ask you, you this. Let me ask you this. It mattered to Anthony Davis, the credit he was getting in, in New Orleans compared to what he got in L.A. It mattered to, in fact, another big man, Shaq in Orlando, compared to the credit he got once he moved to L.A. Uh, it, to some extent, it mattered to Sean Marion. When he left the Suns, the coverage and the way that people talk about these teams, the way people talk about the players, affects how the players feel about the markets. I, I don't like that it does. And look, you might be saying Devin Booker's different, and you're probably right. I think it matters to Devin Booker to bring a team from irrelevancy to a championship. I think it does matter to him to do that. But just today, the NBA.com released their MVP power rankings. And Despicable. shot ahead of Devin Booker, Despicable. Jason Tatum. <laughs> Jason Tatum is ahead that's, of Devin Booker in the MVP the one, power man. rankings. That's the one. Because you want to talk to me about Jokic. You want to talk to me about Embiid, Giannis. Fine. They've been there. Uh, you know, at the top of the ladder all season. Look, I get it. Tatum. Steph, Steph, Steph wasn't ahead of him, right? But it was Tatum and it was Ja. Mm -hmm. And it was Luka, right? All three of them were ahead of Booker still mm -hmm. on the ladder. I mean, come on. What are we doing? And look, let me just read to you this. Jason Tatum, since March started, 25 points per game, 6.7 rebounds, 4.2 assists in 13 games. Devin Booker in 14 games, 25.5 points, 5.1 rebounds, 4.9 assists. Devin Booker, more assists, more efficient, much better team when two, it comes to win-loss record. Two much fewer rebounds makes all the difference there, huh? Mm -hmm, exactly. Two fewer <laughs> rebounds and, and less assists on worse efficiency, technically. It, you know, it's it doesn't make sense. We've lost our damn minds. The way that this is covered at this point, market matters. So for Suns fans fighting for that same fairness of coverage, I think it's a it's the right thing to do. And then for those that are in the trenches today, whether it be on Reddit, <laughs> on Twitter, shout out to you because I, I I fully understand why you're doing this, and I and it clearly bothers Devin Booker because he's mentioned it. He said people were playing with my name. He talked about Denver putting up the picture of Amir Kofi instead of Devin Booker when it came to the starting lineups and him using that as fuel to absolutely bury them in that game. So I think it does matter. Which, now, by the way, was an obvious mistake on Denver's part. There's no way they did that intentionally because... Well, I could if, see it as some kind of trolling. If, I could see it. If they did do it intentionally, there's Amir Kofi has no link to Devin Booker of the Suns. There's like a thousand funnier players that they could have done if they did that. So <laughs> the I'm like, other Devin Booker, yeah. The other Devin Booker, yeah. Like they, they could have done something funnier if they were really trying to troll him. And that's what makes me think there's no way that they did that intentionally. But yeah, the fact that he took that so personally <laughs> is pretty funny. And speaks to just like, you know, like a normal person sees that. Like if I saw that and they fucked up, you know, on I would think, yeah, that's disrespectful, but whatever, let's move on. Let's just drop it. Athletes aren't like that. <laughs> they're just, they're Especially wired. Especially the sicko ones, yeah. Yeah, they're wired. This, I mean, this is why, you know, even if I was uber athletic and good at basketball, like, I don't have the mindset of some of these guys. Like, just to take slights like that and use it as motivation, that is sicko shit. That makes Devin Booker different. I don't think it necessarily makes him the most likable person. But on the basketball court, you don't need to be likable. You just need to win. And that's a difference maker that a lot of these guys have. In the month of March, 
Jason Tatum, well, he, well on the floor with the Boston Celtics, plus 38. Good for 13 games. Devin Booker in the same time period, plus 94. I just don't get it. I don't really understand it. And I think at this point, if you feel slighted, if you're Devin Booker, that's the right approach. If you feel slighted as a Suns fan, that's the right approach. Now, do I think that Devin Booker is going to win the MVP? No, I don't think so. I think there is some time to build some sort of narrative before the season ends that could help him. Do I think he'll get votes? Yes. And that's that. I think that kind of respect, people taking his MVP candidacy seriously, I think that's what's been important to Suns fans, whether or not he wins. Because I think Suns fans, they understand there is a bigger prize here. There's a championship. And I think there's a clear best team in the NBA right now in the Phoenix Suns. And everyone has sort of come to accept that now that it's too late for any team to catch them Golden since States, they secured the 15 one games back. Yeah, you can't, or 12 games back. Can't make arguments yeah. for anyone else anymore right. at this point. So, yeah. So, like, yeah, it's just the respect, I think, that's been missing. It's it's really just that. Um, that that game against Denver, though, beyond the overall narrative of MVP, was just a fascinating game to watch by Devin Booker because it was clear from the start of the game that the team was going to struggle a little bit. And it was clear that the only thing on Devin Booker's mind was crushing them and absolutely crushing them. Whether it be the contested shots, his ability to get to the line, or the 10 assists that he got, that all said something. But there were just a few plays defensively where you could just see the intensity was at playoff level for Devin Booker, and that's something that we really haven't seen since the playoffs last year. There was one play, he got knocked to the ground on a shot, got up off the ground. He clearly was fouled, got up off the ground, and just took the ball from Jokic, just went underneath his arms and took it from him, and then threw a lob to DeAndre Ayton to dunk it. There was another play where he passed it. He got fouled on the lob, by the way. Yes, in DeAndre Ayton three-point play. There was another play. He passed it to Cameron Payne in the corner. Cameron Payne missed a corner shot. Devin Booker just ripped it away from the Denver Nuggets player, went up for a shot (laughs) with the player hanging onto his arm for dear life, and Devin Booker made the three-point play. And it's those kinds of plays, I think, that where if you're somebody who doesn't watch a lot of the Suns, where you kind of sit up in your seat a little bit, and you're like, wow, this guy is, he's obsessed with winning, (laughs) and you could really see it in that game. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I saw some people saying after the game that it was his most complete game ever. And I think if you throw in the defense and the uh, the playmaking I think there's some other candidates because if you look at the playoffs, for instance, without Chris Paul against the Clippers, he had yeah, 40, and, 40 and 10 in the Western Conference Finals. For me, like personally, that might still be his best game ever just because of the scope of it. But most I like com- that you don't even bring up the rebounds now because of how much we talked about them. I honestly, did he, how many rebounds? <laughs> he had a triple-double. He had a triple-double. Thank you. I forgot. Yeah. I Because to be his honest His only triple-double of his career. To be honest with you, I remembered it as, did he have like eight rebounds? So I didn't remember that it was a triple-double. 13 um, rebounds, I think, is what it ended up with. But yeah, it's one of those things. Like Rebounds are really contextual, man. Like uh, You can bring up a rebounding performance for a guard where he has 12 rebounds, and it's like amazing. And you can bring up another game where a guard has 12 rebounds, and it's bullshit. So like you really got to watch a game before you actually quote rebounds when it comes to guards, I think. Or or really anyone. But um, 
But if you want to make the case that this is his most complete game, not necessarily his best game ever, but his most complete game when you throw on the hustle, yeah, I could get behind that because I can't remember another instance of him doing to to the level of what you were just talking about, going out there and leaving it all on the floor like again and again, just playing fucking angry, like really, really angry. Well, I think (laughs) in a positive way. The context of the game, too, with people talking about him and saying crazy shit about him, it being the second night of a back-to-back in possibly the most difficult arena to play on the road in Denver, in altitude, of course, and then him carrying them to the victory and playing like an, a high amount of minutes for him in, in a game where he clearly needed to in order for them to take it. All of that context combined, along with the defense, along with the uh, shooting, scoring, getting to the line, passing, all of that together. Yeah, I think you can make a case that it's it's the best regular season game of his career, regardless of how you want to phrase that. Most complete, best game, whatever it is, I think you could make that case. And it'll be fascinating to see what he does against Embiid, right? What he does against the 76ers with, with James Harden, who have been, you know, fumbling a little bit as of late. And he always plays well against him. Uh, in the last nine games against the 76ers, he's averaging 35 points. I looked that up. It's just a team that he tends to destroy. We've gotten this far in the podcast, and this is credit to Devin Booker, credit to the narratives that have formed around this team. This far in the podcast, without even bringing up the fact that Chris Paul is back. The Suns have 60 wins. We've <laughs> we've, men- we've mentioned it in passing. Chris Paul is back. The Suns have 60 wins. You know what else we And we they secured mentioned? the one seed. We, we also got this far in the podcast without mentioning that Two nights ago, like not even 48 hours ago at the time of recording, um, DeAndre Ayton had a career high as well. Yes, a a remarkable game by DeAndre Ayton too. Like just an insane game. And this team is just, you can't say enough about it. You really can't say enough about it. I've never really had this much fun watching basketball for one. And even watching fans react to it has been a delight, whether it be for us on playback. I can mention that here on this uh, feed with the Patreon people that are capable of going to those has been a delight. Suns fans on Twitter, on Reddit have been a delight to see that as well. But yeah, Chris Paul, I think he, I want to talk about Chris Paul though. We started the game on playback. We watched it. Kellen joined us for the first half. Shout out to Kellen Olson. Awesome guest for us in that playback. Super fun to watch games with him. You know, it was a little concerning, I would say, to start that game. You could see Chris Paul wasn't, you know, it's hard to tell if Chris Paul is doing his you, normal, I'm just concerned? not going to shoot right were, now thing. You were really concerned? I thought that was... A little bit. I would I say thought, a little bit. Huh. Interesting. I thought that was all part of the plan with him. You know, like just totally normal, let me go out there and drop six, seven assists in the first half, and then I'll get going a little bit in the third quarter. I mean, it was well, quintessential Chris Paul. I have... I just have this like triggered memory of, you know, I was at the game he got injured at in the playoffs against the Lakers and then he came back in and he couldn't dribble. You know, there's just things that are deep seated in the back of my mind, core memories now, if you will, <laughs> of Chris Paul. Uh, and so I was just a little concerned watching that. And then of course he ends the game, 17 points, 13 assists. That's just, that's Chris Paul. Chris Paul was at this game <laughs> and he played a Chris Paul game. 17 points, 13 assists, four rebounds, one steal, one block, only three turnovers. One of the turnovers, I would will say, was likely due to some weirdness in his right hand. But overall, an efficient game. And yeah, he looks good. What do you think? He looks good. He looks really good. Like I said, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't worried all throughout the game. I thought he played with the typical poise. 
Um, I think from the time I saw his first shot where he snaked around a screen and then did a totally unnecessary behind the back dribble to like get to the right elbow. You, you know what I'm talking about to get his first yeah. bucket of the game. Yeah. I was like, okay, he's showing off. He's back. You know, like you, you don't, you don't do that. If you're feeling 70%, it was, there was no one around him, uh, no one within like four or five feet. And he just decided to take some liberties with it. So I was like, yeah, this yeah. guy's back. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that was pretty wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he played a couple minutes, I suppose. We could touch on the fact he played a couple minutes more than he was supposed to. I wasn't even aware mm-hmm. of the fact that there was a minutes restriction, really. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't even call 28 minutes or whatever Monty put it at as much of a minutes restriction. Uh, I think there's plenty of time for him to ramp up a little bit here and then be ready to play, as we talked about all on last week's episode, the normal episode, mm-hmm. uh, 34, 36, whatever's needed from him in the playoffs. Yeah. I think the question at this point is they have 60 wins. They have the number one seed locked up. What do they do the rest of the season, right? Technically, they could rest everyone starting if now. A, if a Lundberg um, who got, <laughs> his, got his visa. Oh, he did. I didn't see that. And Mort is traveling. Our buddy yeah. Mort is traveling to the U.S. to cover him in some sense, I think. So uh, they could do that. They, let minutes. me just read the last games. So we got Philadelphia, Golden State, Memphis. If the Suns beat Philadelphia, Golden State, Memphis, all three, they secure the best record in Suns history. And there are still one, two, three, four, five games left after that. So the question I think, I think this team wants that best record in Suns history. To be honest, I think they want to win out. I think they are just insane. And, you know, Every game to them is a game that they're obsessed with winning. It's not about just the playoffs. It's regular season matters to them too. They got to get Cameron Johnson back at some point. We still have no idea what's going on with Cameron Johnson. And I assume he'll be back soon. By the way, before we started recording, I was listening to Zach Lowe. And they were doing their most improved player award top 10. And Cameron Johnson was on both his and David Thorpe's list for top 10 in the league as far as most improved player pretty cool to hear Cameron Johnson get that kind of love but at this point okay so we say say they win three games three of their next four games something like that are they gonna rest guys at this point do you think they I think they might I actually think we're at the point where they actually might do it Chris Paul came back with enough time that he could get back into his rhythm with the guys play a little basketball with them and still have time to rest maybe last two or three games what do you I'm, think I'm not going to argue with them if they do just given by the fact that like one in every three or four games since the all-star break it's felt like someone goes down so yeah. I won't argue with them but I don't know if they will like you said they're fucking crazy <laughs> so they might just play it through if they if they just played their bench we got Philadelphia Golden State Memphis OKC Lakers Clippers Jazz and Kings. If they just played right the bench guys right as starters, and then the really, you know, end of the bench third string guys to round out the rotation, they could probably still beat OKC, Lakers, and Sacramento, and still have the best record <laughs> in Suns history. You're even feeling without bold. The starters playing. You're feeling bold there, man. Don't let, I mean, don't let the Lakers fans hear you say that. I would be okay with them hearing me say that. I would be 100% okay with that. <laughs> it's the Lakers. I mean, yes, Anthony Davis know, might be back, but that team has been bad, man. What? Listen to what Cameron Payne said. They're the worst team in the league. <laughs> That's what Cameron Payne said about them. I still think if you rest the starters, like Cam Payne, Cam Johnson, like what, what's your what's your starting lineup? Shamit, Cam Johnson, 
JaVale McGee and uh, fucking Tory Craig. Tory Craig. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the notion of that team like just fully going out and beating LeBron if AD is back with Westbrook is I mean it could definitely happen because that's how bad the I think it could. it's just yeah. it's pretty funny. It's just They've lost to some funny. really bad teams this year, man. They've lost to Orlando twice. They lost to OKC. They've lost to Houston twice. Like this is a team that could easily lose to that team. Absolutely. Those teams are pros. They, I mean those guys are still pros. They're still guys that have been in the playoffs, played minutes in the playoffs. So um let's see anything else that you want to get to obviously this is a patreon episode so i guess we've we're at time if you will is there anything else you want to talk about anything else that you'd like to see before the end of this season besides cameron johnson coming back not especially i mean i kind of said before there's there is this temptation to what if booker just went out and proved to these idiots that yes guys i can still drop 50 if you want me to you know, and went on like a 2018-19-esque run where they kind of break the offensive mold as it or structure as it currently is and just let him go wild, and maybe that helps his MVP narrative. But it won't happen. It's not the best thing for Phoenix Suns team basketball, and, and it takes your eyes off the prize ultimately. It's just kind of a separate fascination of mine. Like, you know, you can score 50. You can score 55, 60. It, it, it really doesn't matter. There are no limits with this guy. Just go out there and prove it to these idiots but it's not going to happen. That's okay. Over under 64 and a half wins for this Suns team. 64 and a half. Uh, they're There's eight games at, less. So left. that would be five and three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's go. Let's go over if they hit the All over. Right. Five That's and three. crazy, man. That is wild. All right. We appreciate you guys. We'll be back next week. We're taking our normal podcast off as far as over the weekend. I'm going to be out of town. We'll record Wednesday. We appreciate you for being patrons, but we will be back pretty soon.